If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me on the other end of the line, as he is each and every show, or most shows, I should say, is my co-host, Curtis. Uh, and we got, uh, guys, we have this gap here this month between the SEC title game and the Rose Bowl. And in this gap here, recruiting is taking front and center like it does each and every year. And it's even more so the case this year with the new early signing period that begins December 20th and actually runs through the 22nd. It's not just a one-day deal. It's December 20th. It runs through the 22nd. Uh, and we've already put together one heck of a class. I mean, we know that, guys. If we didn't sign anyone else, we're currently fourth nationally right now, according to the 247 composite. So it's, it's great no matter what. But the thing is, we're not done, not even close. We are still heavily involved in the pursuit of several other highly ranked prospects uh, who have yet to go public with a commitment. So today, what Kurt and I are going to do is we're going to talk some recruiting. And since it's the holiday season, yeah, it's probably a little lame, but we're going to go with it. We're going to go with a Christmas theme with this, and we're each going to give you the top five uncommitted prospects on our respective wish list. So we'll get to all that recruiting talk here in just a few minutes. But first, just a couple quick reminders for you guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Love to hear your thoughts on everything going on, recruiting, Rose Bowl, uh, what if, basketball even. You got, that's kind of kicking up here. So feel free to hit us up with any of your thoughts on all that good stuff. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast on a bunch of different podcasting platforms. The big ones are, of course, our iTunes, SoundCloud, you the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And you can find us on dollarsportsradio.com, part of the V4O Internet Radio Network. You can also uh, download the Dollar Sports Radio app to your smartphone. And you guys, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who have uh, taken some time out of your day to rate and review the show on your preferred platform. We really do appreciate it. That's very, very helpful for us. Um, love to get your feedback there. So uh, if you haven't, guys, I, I know it takes a second or two out of your day, but we would sincerely appreciate if you guys could rate and review the show on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on. All right, Kurt, let's uh, let's move into this t- uh, recruiting talk here, man. But before we get into our uh, uncommitted prospect wish list here, I do want to mention, uh, I think we get, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Trey Hill. Uh, we all know he committed Monday night. We recorded our show our, our Tuesday show recorded like 6 o'clock on Monday night, so we, didn't, we hadn't quite found out what he was going to do there. But now we do know that Trey Hill is officially a dog. I guess he's got a sign to be officially a dog, but he has committed to the Georgia football program. Um, he, Trey Hill is 38th ranked nationally, uh, or 38th ranked prospect nationally, I should say, in the 247 composite rating, number two offensive guard. So, Kurt, uh, how big of a pickup is this, picking up Trey Hill? Um, I think the biggest thing about him is uh, it helps us build our depth. Um, that's more because he's not gonna he's not one of these guys like you get Salier. He's pushing the start right away. Um, that's not you don't think case. Trey Hill's that kind of guy. No, I just don't think his conditioning is there. Okay, all right, that's fair. 
Um, I think he's got, I mean, look at Isaiah Wilson. I mean, I think Wilson was a better prospect at the time when they both signed, but uh, you see what's going on with Wilson. I mean, he's just, you, sometimes you got to get your body in, uh, in shape and, I mean, ready to go for the, uh, to go. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that he's facing is just getting his weight down and getting a little bit better shape. But I think the guy come, you know, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore year is a guy that could do something for us. Cause I mean, he's a big guy. He's exactly what Pittman wants. Um, he's got the weight and everything. So, um, I think it's a great pickup. What position do you see him landing at down the road? Long Definitely term. guard or center. Um, one of the two. Yeah. Um, I might. I don't know. I think he's got to get his weight down a little to fully be center, in my opinion. He's definitely he's not a tackle. There's. No, I don't see him in any way, shape, or form being a tackle for us. Don't see that. No, he's an interior player. No, he's not going to play. Yeah, he's an interior player, guard or center. Um, you know, there's been some conversation, and we don't. We're not privy to the inside conversation actually happened between the the player, the prospects, and the coaches. But there have been some reports that we've been selling him on being the center of the future. And I, I with, with the guys that we've got on the roster right now, Ben Cleveland kind of coming on here as a redshirt freshman. you still got Notori Johnson, uh, Justin Schaefer from last year. Kendall Baker will be back next year. Uh, and then you've potentially, if we land Jamari Salyer, that guard position is going to be really jam-packed. So I, I, it makes sense here for him to potentially be the center with Gilliard only having one more year left and kind of sliding into that spot after uh, after his freshman season, maybe a redshirt season. We'll see how that plays out. So I think center might be the ultimate landing spot for him. But you're right. I think it's a, an interior spot guard or center there. I think this is, a, this is a huge pickup. I mean, anytime you can get a top 50 player any at any position, but especially offensive line, I think that's huge. Number two offensive guard in the country. Well, and um, not only that, but I think the biggest thing is, I mean, nothing against him. I think he is really important to us, but – the biggest thing was this was the uh, this was all like teams like Auburn. This was their number one offensive lineman. Yeah, target. keep him away from Auburn. Keep away from Mariah. Yeah, I mean, for how many times at Kirby at Alabama? Like, I can't count the number of times. Like, we need guys. We want them really bad. Alabama wouldn't exactly need them. They would just help build depth, and Kirby would do that and would just get them to uh, keep them away yeah. from us. That's what Bear Bryant used to do back in the day when there were really no limits on how many guys you could sign. It wasn't necessarily he was going to ever play a guy. He just didn't want the other, other teams to have him, so they just sign him. And they all want to sign Alabama because it's Bear Bryant. It's a little bit different story nowadays, but it's it's a similar concept, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I just I, I'm 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 really stoked about this Trey Hill pickup because I think it's very important for our long term success to be elite on the offensive line, and we've been well on our way there, especially with last year's signing class. But Trey Hill is a guy who gets us closer to that. So uh, to me, it's a huge pickup here. His physical makeup, I, it, it's impressive. I mean, let's be real. Now he, you're right. There's some areas we could, he could drop a few pounds here and kind of just work his body into into more game shape. Uh, but he's, he, from all accounts, he's working hard right now. And if you guys saw the, the recruitment video or his commitment video, he's in the gym working out. And he says on the video that he's been working out every day. And I, I hope that's true. He looks solid. Uh, but he's got, I mean, if you've seen the guy play, you've seen him up close and personal, he's got freaking tree trunks for legs. Like, that's the only way I can describe them. They are, they are massive tree trunks. The one thing that shocked me is I had no clue the guy was six foot four. He's a big dude. He just doesn't, he looks like a, he, the way his body is shaped with the legs being so, being bigger than his, his torso, essentially, it looks like he's one of those short, stocky guys. But if you could get up close to him, I've seen him up here on campus. He's, you know, over the summer, some of these camps, he's actually a pretty tall dude. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not tall. I'm like 5'11", maybe, uh, maybe on a good day. But he, he towered over me. I'll say that when I got up near him. Uh, so it, it, the, the tree trunk legs kind of, they throw you, it's kind of like a, it, it throws you for a loop there because you, you think he's one of these short, stocky guys. But no, he's actually a pretty tall dude. Uh, he's got a very powerful base with those legs, which makes him very powerful as an interior offensive lineman overall. Um, I, I, I'd say he's maybe not quite the technician that Jamari Salyer is yet. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, that's very fair. I think Salyer's a lot more experienced. Yeah, he's more experienced. I think it's a little bit more of a technician. Maybe yeah, I mean, a slightly better athlete. Sal- I-, I believe it was Salyer who went as a junior. Um, he was. He went to the uh, All American game. No, well, not only no, the, no, uh, no, he didn't go to the All American. He went to the opening. Yeah, that's what it was. The, not, yeah, he yeah. didn't go to the All American game as a junior. As a junior, opening, it was yeah. Wolpen seniors behind. Or he was a junior. Yeah, he, I mean, this summer too, as a senior, he was just destroying people. And then last summer, he was beating some of the top guys as a junior as well. You're, I remember that. So I, I think Sawyer's maybe a, a step above there. And I think most analysts would tell you that. But let's. It's not as though Trey Hill's some scrub. This guy is a legit player. He's going to be a big time player on the offensive line for his top fifty type guy. And um, you know, we landed him on Monday night. But I'll say we still got some other uncommitted prospects out there, and we have not gotten to our uh, our wish list here of uncommitted prospects. But Kurt, if you uh, if, if Trey Hill had not committed to us on Monday night, let's say he, he was holding his commitment off for another week or so, would he have made your top five wish list of uncommitted prospects? Probably so, because right now, I mean, you can see how good a big offensive line can change your team. Yeah, I think he probably would have slid in there towards the end for maybe maybe probably number would have five, been like four or five range. Yeah, yeah, he would. Have, he, I think he definitely would have slid in for me. That's just, like you said, I think the offensive line is just that important. And he let's, again, I know Jamari Salyer. He's the more offensive guard in the country, top ten prospect nationally. So y'all, we all look at him. But again, Trey Hill is no scrub, guys. This guy is a legit player, and he is he is a he's a beast in his own right. Uh, and actually, if you look at uh, ESPN, I know their rate. I don't know if I trust them that much, uh, but. Their evaluations have Trey Hill ranked one spot above Jamari Salyer. Now, every other side has Salyer ranked higher. But uh, ESPN's got Trey Hill one slot above. So I think they have Hill's 26th nationally and Salyer 27th nationally. But I'd put Salyer above him if that was me. Um, but I'm just one dude. All right, well, let's go ahead and, and get into our wish list here, Kurt. And we're just going to let you give me all five of yours, and I'll run through my five. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and start at number five, Kurt. Who's number five on your wish list of uncommitted prospects right now? Um, number five, I'm probably going to have to go with, um, oh, wow, Otis Reese, my, my, my Otis ah, Reese. Otis Reese, my man, Otis, my man, Reese. Why Otis? Why, why is he in that top five there? Um, I think he's a game changer, and he's, he strikes, he's very quick and everything. Um, you know, the only thing that, that reason, I would probably have him higher if it wasn't for the fact that I'm not sure, he's a little bit of a tweener. Right now, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like what position is he gonna play? He's it's like okay, well he's played safety in um, throughout his high school career for the most part, but he's a big safety already. And if you put a little more weight on being a college weightlifting program, could he potentially morph into a kind of one of those hybrid linebacker inside linebackers, a guy who was maybe a little undersized coming into the program to play linebacker? But if you put some weight on, he can be one of those quicker linebackers, a la Roquan Smith uh, and uh, Alf Ogletree, that kind of guy. Where do you see him long term? Um, probably fitting into an inside linebacker position eventually. He puts on the weight and yeah. things. It'll be interesting. It, it really depends on how his body grows and what he does once he gets into the college weight nutrition program. But as big as he is right now at this point, I would say I would look at Otis Reese probably, I'm with you, growing into that outside or that inside linebacker role and being a very athletic inside linebacker. Because right now he's like 6'2", 195, according to 247 Sports. And that's we don't know how, how official that is and how, where he is right this second, but according to um, 247's most recent update, he's 6'2", 195. And even if he's at that weight right now and hasn't grown any at all, I mean, shoot, Roquan Smith was maybe 10 pounds heavier than that coming out of high school. So I think he could definitely add some weight and be uh, that athletic, you know, sideline sideline type linebacker that we've uh, that Kirby Smart really likes to have, and we've had Roquan Smith all year. So 
Oh, Trace is a good one, man. It's definitely a good one there. Right, who you got at number four? Um, number four, I'm going to go with Luke Ford. Ooh, Luke Ford, tight end out of Illinois. All right, what about Mr. Ford puts him on your list? I mean, it's, he's top tight end in most places. If not, he's in the top three. And I think the guy is um, hes a game changer, too. I think, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to be really good. But um, I just think the biggest thing is you just can't have enough of those stud tight ends, especially, I mean, we're more likely going to be where we are losing two this year. And then the next year we'll be losing uh, Jackson Harris. So, I mean, the more depth we build, the better. I mean, we can't have enough at that position. Yeah, we already got John Fitzpatrick committed out of Marist. Uh, and I really like what I've seen out of him. Uh, but Luke Ford is clearly rated a lot higher than Fitzpatrick. Uh, and we're gonna, we've got some guys on the roster right now with, uh, with of course, Warner and Nauta. Uh, you also got Jackson Harris, like you mentioned, but he's only here for another year or so. Here. Uh, actually, one more year. He'll be a senior next year. Uh, so we're going to kind of need to restock those coffers down the stretch here. So Luke Ford, I mean, he, he's a top 50 player nationally. He's number two tight end uh, in the country right now. Uh, so this is a guy that is a legit prospect. And, man, I, I would love to have him. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and he's, he's a big dude. Too. He's 6'6", 250 right now. And he's a big, tall dude. So uh, do you feel like we're going to land him? I think there's a great chance. I think it may yeah, Alabama was a Alabama. Was competition. They yeah, took, they took they a guy. guy. They took a JUCO guy. Uh, a week or so ago, so I think there's a legit chance we end up landing him. He's been he's been heavily involved with us for a couple months now. All right, who do you got coming in number three? Um, number three, I got Channing Tindall. Ah, Channing Tindall. All right, out of South Carolina. Yeah, I think he's one of the, another one of these cut from the mold Roquan type guys. He's definitely on my list too. I'll throw that out. He's actually I have him at number three too. Uh, Channing Tindall's dude. The guy's a freaking stud and. To kind of put the cherry on top, you talked about taking guys away from rivals, right? Well, South Carolina, he's a South Carolina kid, you know, he's from South Carolina, and he is way up on South Carolina's, uh, their board right now, and they've wanted him badly. And he was, he was a, a, a pretty long-time South Carolina lean there for a while. Uh, and so now that there's word that he's kind of leaning in our direction lately. Uh, he looks like he's probably going to sign early and looks like we might be that team and South Carolina fans are of course very upset about that because hey they don't get many guys like this in the state of South Carolina and he's not one that, that they want to let get out of the state but here we are pulling him not only he'll be a very good player for us potentially but also just keeping him off their roster just makes it that much sweeter uh, alright so you got Chang Tindall I'm with you I got him at 3 two as well uh, you and I might have the same two guys here at number, two, at number 1 and 2 who you got at number 2 Oh, number two, I got Salier. Ah, Salier at number two. All right. Why? All right, so I guess Cade Mays at one? No. No. No Cade Mays on your list at all. Interesting. Okay, I so Britton Cox. I would love to have him, but in my opinion, I think Britton Cox is much more important Interesting, okay. Because we don't have a lot of depth at that DM position, especially say Ledbetter goes pro after this next year. At that yeah, point, sir. we would we'd only have really two DNs on the roster, and I I think not only does he fit that DN defensive end mold, but I think he's more of a, a mix of what you see at Alabama because his get off the ball is just he. That's the one thing that he's a little bit better. He's quicker off the ball than Ledbetter was at this time. Oh, he is. He is. I mean, but we have to one hundred percent upgrade our ability to rush the passer. It has to happen. We have got to get better at creating a natural pass rush and not have to, to manufacture pressure by bringing extra bodies. We've got to get better at that. And I think that Britton Cox, would you agree, is a guy that can really help us out there? Yeah. 100%. So Britton Cox at one. All right. All right. Tell me about Salyer, though. Why Why is Salyer not number one? So I mean, he's rated higher than Britton Cox. He's a top 10 national prospect, number one offensive guard in the country. 
Why do you have Cox ahead of him? I mean, Salyer is important, and I, I think it's just a fact of we have so much more depth at that position than we did um, at the time when. Um, I Billy. mean, we have a lot more. We have a lot. We've already got Hill on board. We've got quite a few guards, as you went over earlier, uh, committed at that position. So I think that's the biggest thing of why I think um, the Sires at two. I, I really will. I want him, and I think we got him. But I think the biggest thing is we need more defense alignment at this time. All right, man, that's fair. And I, I can't really argue with that too much because I think upgrading the pass rush is a major priority for us right now, and we don't have as much depth there. So that's that's a really fair argument. I completely see where you're coming from. But I like the fact that we got some differences here, man. Uh, there's actually two guys on your list that I do not have on my list at all, and your number one and two, are they're different. And the only thing that we have in common, exactly in common, is we both have Channing Tindall at number three on our wish list. So let me go ahead and run through mine here real quick. I'm going to start at five like you did. Uh, and tell me, and hey, don't feel free to stop me if you disagree, man. I, I've got no issues with that. One guy I have at number five is a guy that you do not have on your list at all. And I know that it, I, yeah, he might be a little bit of a long shot, but from what I understand, you know, Kirby's down in Miami recruiting these guys, and I we're we're in it with this guy and a couple other guys down there in South Florida. And so number five on my list is a guy named Tyson Campbell out of American Heritage down there in Florida. Uh, he's he's a long corner. He's 6'2 and a half, 180 pounds, a little on the thin side right now. But he's number 26 overall on the 247 composite, number three corner. He's really, really long. And that's what I like about him, and that's what Kirby's like. I mean, look at, look at Amir Speed. He's a guy that we think could potentially be one of those corners of the future. He's got that length. Tyson Campbell has that length. He's a really, really smooth athlete, really athletic. I think he could potentially be an elite cornerback prospect. Some people might want to say a shutdown cornerback. I don't think those exist. Do you, in, in this modern day and age, with all the rules that are favoring offense, do you think that shutdown corners still exist? No, not at all. I don't think they exist. I do not think. I, I think you can be an elite cornerback. This idea of a Deion Sanders shutdown corner, with the way the rules have, have kind of been rewritten over the last couple of years, I don't think they exist anymore. But I think he's one of those guys that can get pretty close to it. Uh, he could also play safety. Uh, he's played safety some in high, in, at the high school level. Uh, but I prefer him at corner. Now, I, I will say. In the interest of full disclosure, I have not seen Tyson Campbell in person. A lot of these guys, I get to see in person, going to different camps and and watching them perform. Uh, but Tyson Campbell is not one of those guys. I've just seen his tape, and granted, those are highlights. It's not full tape, so it gives you, but it does give you a picture of what his potential is. And that potential, when he's at his best, which is what highlights are to show the guys at their best, it looks pretty pretty dang high, man. I mean, he's like I said, really smooth, athletic type guy. Uh, got some versatility, could potential base safety if we need him to. Could, I don't know. I mean, he could potentially play star, maybe. Because I think he's more of a, of a of a true corner. But he's a guy that I really like, and and we're looking for that corner. We're looking for corners out there that can be game changers for us on the outside. Because Kirby wants those guys, and that really will free us up to do a lot of different things with our defense. Uh, play some of that pattern matching where we convert to man. We got when when uh, uh, receivers. Uh, run go routes down the field there. So we're looking for those type guys. I, I think we got one in the mirror speed. I really like what, what his future is down the road. I think Tyson Campbell could be a really good counterpart for him if we were able to land him. And I don't know if we're going to land him or not. Isaac Taylor Stewart's another guy that kind of fits the same mold. If we can land one of those guys, I would be a very, very happy Bulldog. Uh, all right, next for me now, this is, you had him at number one. All right, and I want you, I, I want you to respond to this after I go through why I've got Britton Cox at number four. Okay. So Brent Cox is a beast. I am not making any bones about that. All right? He's 6'5", 240, 245 in that range. Number 22 nationally in the 247 composite rating. The guy's a monster. And I, I can't, like I, I, like I said, I can't argue too much with you having him at number one. Uh, but 
basically right now, I just think offensive line is, for, for our future success, I think offensive line is critical for us. And so is the pass rush. But let me say this. Yes, all right, I understand schematically the past two years we have favored using uh, what I would guess I would call a controlled pass rush that's kind of focused on keeping opposing quarterbacks in the pocket. But I largely think that really is due to the fact that Kirby and, and Mel Tucker recognize that we just don't really have an abundance of elite pass rushers and those and we kind of our coaches kind of adjusted accordingly. Because I mean, think about Kirby, if you look at Kirby as the defense coordinator at Alabama, we had when he had elite pass rush talent with guys like Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson, what did he do? He he unleashed those guys, right? Yeah. I mean he he adjusted, he let those guys terrorize opposing quarterbacks. But when he didn't have those guys, he employed a strategy very similar to what we've seen the past two seasons. So to me, like I said earlier when you were talking about Cox, the bottom line to me is that we need to upgrade our ability to rush the passer. We we have to. To to rush a passer in a natural way without having to manufacture pressure with different forms of uh, pressure, guys bring corners, safeties, linebackers, whatever it might be. Now, I think DeAndre Walker will be an upgrade there in an expanded role next year. Do you trust DeAndre Walker in an expanded role next year? Um, he's getting better. I still have to see more consistency in the run game. There's no doubt about it. But I'm, I'm, I, when it comes to the run game, he's got to be more consistent. Right? He's took a huge step this year and put on some more bulk, and he was able to keep that on throughout the season. That's a huge first step. I mean, he's become more consistent as the season went on, but he's, you're right. He still has some improvement to make there. But I think as a pure pass rusher, the guy can get it done, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he can no get question. it done. That's never been the question. Yeah, absolutely. I think Walter Grant, what is your take on Walter Grant? I think he's under the radar going to be really good. The thing that's got me is I'm shocked. He looks like, I mean, I know he wears the same number. He looks like Leonard Floyd, too, the way he moves he around the field. He's got great size, though, too. I mean, he he's, very, he's very well put together. He does. Uh, and I, I think he has the potential to be a really good pass rusher. I mean, he's flashed at times this year. Uh, I do think he needs to bulk up a little bit more. Would you agree? He's got the yeah. frame. He's got the frame. I, th- I would like to see him bulk up a little bit more. Uh, so he can become a true three-down type player, not just a specialist like Walker has been most of his career up until this year, really. Uh, so I think both those guys can be uh, major contributors down the road. What about Adam Anderson? You know, he's a guy that's on our commit list right now. How do, how would you compare Anderson and Britton Cox? Uh, Anderson's a true pass rusher. Yeah. Just, just no question about it. That's what he is. He looks a lot like Walter Grant right now. A true elite pass rusher, but needs to add a lot of weight in the britches, right? To become a three-down type guy. And I think Adam Anderson is a monster. I've said it before many times. I think Adam Anderson is the best pure pass rusher in this class. But pairing Anderson with Cox, well, that would give us an elite pass rushing duo. And Cox is, like you said, Cox is different too, man. He's bigger right now. He's he's 240, 245. He's maybe not quite as explosive as Adam Anderson is, in my opinion. But he's definitely bigger. And right now, he's probably more equipped to be a three-down contributor, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. So... I, I I don't have too much of a qualm with you having him at number one. I just, for me, I think I got to go offensive lineman up top. And that's who I have in my top two. I'll get to those guys in a second. Number three, like you said, Channing Tindall. I've got him at number three. Uh, he's a top 100 prospect, 6'2", 213. He's a little bit bigger than what Roquan was coming out of high school, but he reminds me a lot of Roquan when you watch him play. And you think about it, in this Kirby Smart defensive scheme, the inline, inside linebacker position has often been the centerpiece and the leader of that defense. I mean, think of guys like, you know, right now, obviously, in particular, Roquan Smith. you got Ruben Foster from years past Alabama, Rondo McClain, those type guys with great instincts, great athleticism, and that sideline-to-sideline speed. I think Channing Tindall is that guy. Do you see him as that type of guy, Roquan Smith, oh, Ruben Foster? his high school tape, that's exactly what you see. It is, isn't it? I mean, it, it, his, his, his highlights, they're crazy, aren't they? I mean, I, 
when we first started recruiting him, I was, I, you know, I, my, I just don't know how I felt. I didn't take it that seriously because I thought he was going to go to South Carolina. So that's what all the reports says. I was like, oh, we're not going to get this guy. So I'm not going to pay that much attention to him. But now that we got more and more of a chance and he kind of starts training our way more, I start paying more attention. I'm like, holy hell, this guy is legit, right? Yeah. I mean, like, he, I, I, I totally think he's that guy. I like what I've seen out of Monty Rice, and I love the athleticism and speed that Nate McBride brings to the table. But in my opinion, tell me if you disagree, but in my opinion, Tyndall's a step above both those guys. Are you At with that? At this point in time, yes. Yeah, and look, we haven't seen a ton out of, of Rice or McBride, and I know what we've seen from Tyndall's at the high school level, and it's just high. I, I, Tyndall's another guy, I've, full disclosure, I've not seen him live in person, haven't had a chance to do that, but just watching his highlights, and I get, when, him, when he is at his best with those highlights, I mean, dude, whew, the guy's off the charts, man. To me, Rice is like a, he's a good traditional downhill inside linebacker with good, solid speed. In athleticism, but I don't know that he's an elite athlete like Roquan is. To uh, me, uh, I actually can uh, think Rice is more similar to like a Nate Trez. Exactly, that's he's exactly what I was saying. Comfort. Yeah, I, that's a really good way to put it. I, I agree with you. And then McBride, on the other hand, I think McBride's kind of the opposite with, of Rice, right? Like he has that elite speed and athleticism, but he's still really raw when it comes to playing that inside linebacker position from a technical and kind of instinctive standpoint. So for me, I see, I see Tyndall as a guy who possesses the best qualities of both Rice and McBride, but in one dude, you know? I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense. I think he has the best of both those guys, and that's whew, that's that's beastly. I mean, he's he's athletic. He's crazy explosive when he explodes in the ball carriers. Really instinctive uh, and a, a violent hit, uh, hitter, man. He just he, he unloads on people. I love this guy. I love him, and I truly do see him as a potential heir apparent to Roquan if we end up landing him, which it looks like he is trending our way. So he's a big-time guy, man. He's If you guys haven't seen his heights, I encourage you to go check him out. All right, now for me, the top two, and so where you and I agree, disagree a little bit, I, I went with two offensive linemen, okay? Now here's why I went with the two offensive linemen at the top and not Cox or, or Tyndall a little higher. I'm still a strong believer that the difference between good teams and great teams, especially in this league, is elite trench play. Both trenches, both lines of scrimmage. You can have all the skilled players in the world, but if you can, I, I know Cox, you're right, he kind of fits on the, uh, the the trench side of the defense side of the ball, but you can have all the skilled players in the world, but if you can't protect the quarterback and you can't run the football consistently, then you will struggle to beat elite teams. Look at us, case in point, last year versus this year. Last year, we couldn't run the football. Our offensive line was, was a train wreck. It was a disaster, and we went 7-5 in the regular season. This year, our offensive line is improved. And I would say, I don't know if I don't know if we have a better core, but really the difference offensively, I think, is we, we have a few more playmakers outside, but we have an improved offensive line. I think that's a huge difference with our offense this year. And that offensive line has helped carry us. It's not the whole, I mean, our defense has been a big part of it too, but our offensive line has been a major component to us getting into the college playoff in year two of the Kirby Smart era. So and that's one of the reasons why I'm going with two offensive linemen here because in our case, it's magnified even more the, the, the importance of the offensive line because when you factor in the offensive identity that we have clearly tried to establish under Kirby Smart, we clearly want to be a team that features a very physical downhill rushing attack. And to do that, you need elite offensive line play. And to me, the guy I have here at number two, Cade Mays, he gives you that. Now, it looks like Cade Mays might potentially be trending elsewhere, maybe to potentially Clemson, but we're still very much in this run, in, in this race with him. Uh, I will say, offensive line is one of the hardest positions to evaluate from high school to college, and I have and I have not, here's another guy, Mays, I have not seen him live. But on tape, he plays with a high-level physicality and some really beautiful nastiness, if that's a thing. He really punishes people. He kind of goes that extra mile to grind a guy into the ground, so... I got Cade Mays at number two here on my wish my wish list. 
He's 6'6", 318. He is a true offensive tackle. He's number 16 nationally, number two offensive tackle in the country. And then that means at number one, I got the guy you had number two. I've got Jamari Sawyer number one. And really, I have him as an offensive lineman. I have him up at number one for the same reasons I had Mays up there. Uh, offensive line is just a critical component in the SEC, especially for us. It's just magnified with the kind of offense that we want to be. And I just happen to think Jamari Salyer is one of the best interior offensive line prospects that we've seen in years. You saw, like Curtis mentioned, you saw what he did um, at the opening two years in a row as a junior and a senior. He's got great power, but he's also got very good athleticism for his size. He's really flexible, which is a big deal when I'm trying to evaluate offensive linemen. And he's got a really good base. He's a good, strong technician at this point. It's only going to get better from there. Uh, it's, he, he is a true interior prospect. I think he's going to be long-term guard. He's the number one guard in the country at 6'4", 340 pounds, top 10 prospect nationally. So I have him coming in number one on my wish list of uncommitted prospects. All right, Kurt. Uh, so you got a few differences there. We agree on a couple things, but a few differences. Uh, before we get out of here today, Kurt, you and I were talking about this a little bit before the show. I want to get your take on it here actually on the podcast. And what we're going to look at here is we've over the past couple of days we've had a few decommitments. Uh, Javon Becton decommitted today. Aaron Brule earlier this week. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose been committed for a while. He just announced that he's not uh, not going to be visiting us on an official visit this weekend like he originally had planned. He's pushing that back to January twelfth. Uh, so Kurt, is that something to be concerned about, or is there something else at play here? Oh, I think there's definitely something else at play. In your mind, what's going on? Uh, trading up. But basically, we just have higher rated guys on our on our board, right? Yeah, I mean, and all honesty, people that hate it, I mean, it's not the greatest thing, but let's be honest, it's what the NCAA forces us to do now with this 25 limit. And when you're winning now, you got, you're getting more attention nationally, so it's easier to recruit some of these guys that earlier wasn't the case. Yeah, and if you look at Aaron Brewer in his case, I mean, he, I can't remember exactly what the tweet is, he, de- he deleted it pretty quickly. But it's something along the lines of, man, this is a cutthroat business, right? Kind of in, in, intimating that he this wasn't really his decision. It wasn't a mutual decision. He was basically told that he no longer has a spot. Now, and we don't, we really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't. I, it's hard for me to really get into all that because we just do not know what's going on behind the scenes, have no knowledge of that whatsoever. What we know is that Aaron Brule is no longer on the commit list, uh, and at first he wasn't too happy about it based on his public statements there uh, on Twitter. So... You know, it, it it very well could be a case kind of where we're like, look, man, we're, we're full right now. We just we can't really take you at this point. And and if it, if, it, if that is what happened, that sucks, man. That really does suck for the guy. It's it's just, it's highly unfortunate for him. Uh, and there's a part of me that's like, dude, man, like we did that to him. But let's not. And I, and I know Brule didn't decommit, but let's. Is that any different than when pro, when prospects that have committed to, have been committed to us for months and months at the last second decommit? For, after all the time and effort we put it in? Is that no, all? not at all, especially the ones that – I mean, and let's be honest, we're doing it they, – they have early signing day and later signing day to find other schools. It's not right. like these kids that do it the night before right. and then all of a sudden it's dead period and you're not supposed to be talking to these yeah, kids. Yeah, he, he's going to be able to sign in February if he wants, so he's got a couple months there. Uh, it, 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 I'm not trying to make too many excuses. It's, it's highly unfortunate. I wish it didn't have to happen, but you're right, Kurt. With the insulation kind of hamstring us here, giving us a 25 uh, scholarship limit every year, a hard cap now on the on the scholarships that we that we give out each and every year. And if Kirby's job, I mean, let me ask you this, Kurt: What is Kirby Smart paid to do? To win. He is paid to win football games, correct? He is paid to win football games. Now, along the way, you also want to raise uh, raise good, solid young men. Uh, and, and kind of make them good contributing members of society. Of course, all of that is true. Be there for those guys. 
But the bottom line is the dude is played to win football games. Mark Rick got fired because he didn't win enough football games. He didn't win the, the right football games, the big games when it counted. Kirby Smart showed the ability to do that, at least this year. If for that to continue, you've got he's got to get guys in this program that he thinks are going to help us continue to win. That is what he's paid big money to do. Okay, If he thinks there's a guy out there that's going to give us a better chance to win than Aaron Brule, it's hard for me to fault him for that because that is his mission. That is what he's been yeah, tasked I, with. I yeah, exactly. Like, we hate it for the kid, but is it fair to our team and our players and fans also to take a kid that's um, not going to get, not right. going to be there, not going to be right. the guy? And at the same time, you also got a question. One thing I say is, is it more fair for the kid to be able to go to a university where he's actually going to get to play? Yeah. So you want us to stick with the commitment that that we that we that we uh, took a couple months ago when we're basically not going to end up playing because we have guys that will play over him. Is that fair to him? You're right. That's a great point. Is that really fair to this kid? I mean, kid? yeah, he can go somewhere where he can play for a couple years and actually have a chance of going pro. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of the unfortunate downsides and realities of the way college football is structured. And it, it is unfortunate. But it's, I mean, I honestly just don't know what you want Kirby Smart to do. Because you're right. If you honor the commitment, but you're not but you're not really going to play the guy. You don't really want him that much. Is, is it really the best thing for the kid to, to, to stay here with us? I don't know if that's the case. I just don't think that it is. And one thing that really really gets under my skin is and i don't know it's not everybody but there are those out there that are are eager to rip our coaches up and down when they don't win right like last year we had the people first, first ones to do it yeah yeah we had people last year i mean the question what not question but saying kirby smart won the record we should have hired tom herman oh kirby smart's never gonna get done he's he's a career coordinator well we just we signed him without even going after anybody else all right it's like okay all right whatever that's fair but they, they criticize him for not winning. A lot, of the, a lot of those guys that are criticizing Kirby Smart for not winning last year, or any coach, really, not just Kirby, but criticize coaches for not winning, are the same ones or the first ones to jump in here and criticize them for not honoring a commitment, right? Because they're trying to get a guy that will help them win more. And you just can't have it both ways. You cannot, you cannot hold Coach accountable for not, for not winning when you're having a problem with them trying to sign guys who can give them a better chance to win, Right? Yeah, that's just the way I see it, and and I know some people are kind of you know gnashing their teeth at the fact that we're losing some, some commitments here because like the the word decommitment is like a dirty word, I, and in some cases it is. But guys, let's look at the guys that we're losing here. Okay, Javon Becton, Aaron Brule, those are two of the lower rated, and, and potentially Wishaw Wagus. He's still on the on the recruit on our uh, commitment list right now. For now, he is, but. Those are among our lowest rated recruits. Okay, those are among the lowest rated recruits that we had on our roster. And the reason, or on our commit list, the reason we would be okay with those guys leaving, and in some cases, let's be real, in some cases, encouraging these guys to look elsewhere is because we have higher rated guys on our board that look that we look to be in very good shape for. We're not just going to let Becton and Brule and potentially Wild Goose, you know. Go go elsewhere. We're not, definitely not going to encourage them to look elsewhere if we don't have somebody that's higher rated on our board that we feel very very good about landing. And, and it's the, again, it's the twenty five, the hard twenty five cap that's in place this year. That's kind of making this a reality. We can't go over it. Even if we have space on the eight on the eighty five, we cannot go over that twenty five. So to make to make room for some of these other prospects that are higher rated that we feel like will be able to contribute to us winning more as a program, which is what, again what Kirby Smart's paid to do. It's just, it's what has to happen. These guys have to look elsewhere. And these guys will land somewhere, okay? You know, Javon Becton, you look like Tennessee could be a possibility. Aaron Brule is a good player. He'll end up somewhere else. Rashad Wild goes, he'll end up somewhere else if they don't end up on our on our roster. Uh, but let's just, I don't think that we should be losing our minds over losing some of these guys because just give us some time, guys. I think we'll end up being very happy. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I don't have a crystal ball. But I think based on the guys that, we, that are showing us some heavy interest and are coming on official visits this weekend, 
there's a very good chance we can end up with some some elite guys to replace these players. And I think at the end of the day, we all be really happy to help us contribute or help contribute to us winning even more moving forward. All right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening in. We always do. Uh, we'll have you guys covered here, and in the coming weeks with the Rose Bowls, we get closer and closer to that. We'll be doing some Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl talk. Uh, next week is obviously the early signing day period starting on the 20th, which is next Wednesday and running through the 22nd next Friday. Uh, we'll have a show for you guys on Tuesday of next week. And uh, then we'll actually, once the early sign period is up, we're going to let the whole thing run. Then we'll kind of recap who signed, what happened during that early signing period uh, starting the 20th there next week. So thanks again, guys, for listening. We always appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.